Right now on Tech Radio, time to boldly go where no man has gone before. Hi, I'm Artemis. I am a computer-generated AI voice, and you're listening to Tech Radio. Every week online and on air with RTE Radio, we bring you the latest in tech. You're very welcome to episode 966. On the show this week, if you are someone with a great idea, but no idea of who's going to pay for it, help is at hand when we chat with Yvonne Halpin from the Mary Skwidowska Curry Foundation. Also coming up, new tech toys from Apple and Google, new Trekkie TV, and this year's darling AI has been causing no... Nothing but trouble. This is Tech Radio with Dusty Rhodes and Niall Kitson. Joining us as always is our Tech Central Editor-in-Chief, Niall Kitson. Niall, on the podcast this week, we are going to start with space. Space. The final frontier. Uh, Parman TV is facing a new frontier exploring strange new TV shows and seeking out new life in what we thought were dead and buried old shows. That's now you see you're being very diplomatic. I would have said wringing the last drop of blood out of the corpse. That was the golden age of Star Trek. (laughs) Hashtag not my Trek. That's a good way to do it. Have you seen, have you seen uh, the Star Trek Picard? But do you know what? I saw the first season of Discovery and went, I'm out. This is what yeah. Star Trek is now. I'm done. Yeah. I was, I'm I was exactly it. the same. I thought it was absolute. Uh, th- 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 it was okay. Season one of Picard was okay. Right. And I gather season two was not good. Was not good. And season three was utter and complete pants, apparently. Really? Yes. So I hear. Okay. Because the buzz that I'm picking up is that They've done it right. They got the band back together. There's there's some good stuff in there. But what, my but goodness, Star, Dusty, Star, if you're not impressed. With with, with Star Trek, uh, the, the third season of Picard. Uh, Picard season three. Yeah, it's the, the Next Generation cast. Oh, right. Okay, Grant. Uh, mm. all, all, all I had heard was that it was just all pants. So uh, anyway, there okay. are loads and loads of Star Trek projects that are coming up. Uh, one of them is Series 2 of Star Trek. They've got a new Kirk. They've got a new Spock. I haven't seen it because I don't have Paramount Plus TV, but apparently it's meant to be okay. Now, is this like a new, a, a reboot of the original series? A or reboot is it Strange of the original series. No, no, no. Reboot of the original series with a Captain Kirk and a Spock and da-da and... and, and uh, uh, Uluru, Uhuru, oh my God, Uhuru, thank you very much. All right, there you go, Grant. So all of that is in there. Um, What else is uh, being rumoured this week? Star Trek Section 31. Now, I'm excited about this because Ah. the first we heard about Section 31, correct me if I'm wrong, was Mm -hmm. uh, Deep Space Nine, which is my favourite Trek show. Mm-hmm. Uh, by mm-hmm. quite a stretch. Although although in rewatching Next Generation, I was like, yeah, okay, I get, I get it. But um, Deep Space Nine is is my favourite. So to have something picked up from there and go, okay, that's quite interesting. Because as you remember, Section 1 was basically the secret, the secret service of Starfleet. Mm-hmm. They were, uh, or I guess the Gestapo of Starfleet. Uh, you know, they're the people that are working around in the background, just making sure ah. everything is copacetic and they will do things that regular Starfleet or Federation will not. So to see there being a, a film devoted to them is quite nice. Uh, some interesting casting. Um, yeah, Michelle there Yeoh. Already. 
Michelle Yeoh. Uh, who, is, was, is, who was evil captain in Discovery, wasn't she? Uh, I don't know. Is she not the one who won the uh, the Oscar uh, recently? She for, did. Uh, Everything, Everything Everywhere. Everywhere. Which is a brilliant movie. I haven't seen it yet. It's good, is it? Oh, oh, it's an amazing movie. It's 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 the first movie I've seen where you actually feel like you're on acid when you're not on acid. Ah, I well, I'm, I'm I'm kind of I, I stress to say in case there are any guardie watching that uh, <laughs> that's how I would feel as if I was possibly maybe whatever one, uh, one so, imagines. <laughs> so there's Star Trek, but the one that kind of excites me and absolutely terrifies me at the same time is Paramount Plus are thinking of bringing back Galaxy Quest. Now this is a bit meta for my liking. Do you think? I thought well, the original Galaxy Quest movie, uh, who was in it? Uh, Tim Allen, uh, uh, Alan, Alan Rickman, pardon me, who's dead now. Yeah. Uh, Tim Sigourney Allen was Weaver. in it, Sigourney Weaver. I mean, it just completely taking the mick out of Star Trek. And I just but in a gentle very, way. In a gentle, in a gentle way, way. And it was very, very funny. Uh, but there is rumour of worse, worse, I would have said, than just making a new version of the movie is that they're actually going to go so far as to create a new TV series out of it. Now, you see, that's a load of rubbish uh, because we already have a TV show doing the whole, you know, affectionate poking at Star Trek thing. And it's called uh, The Orville, which is um, Seth MacFarlane's show, uh, ah. which is the best piece of Star Trek fan fiction that isn't Star Trek fan fiction. All right. Anyway, this is watch it. It's fun. That's all All Star Trek news. Uh, also making headlines this week uh, is artificial intelligence. And we've been kind of going on and on and on about artificial and AI and it's this and it's yeah. that. And it can do this and it can do that and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and now it's just all bad news. <laughs> it's all bad news. I mean, and here's another <laughs> example. Here's another example. So you, you, you've got the deets on this and I'll tell you how it's particularly rubbish. Okay, Grant. Uh, the couple, couple of different stories. The deets as you young people would say then. Uh Uh, The the, the first story is about a German artist Mm -hmm. who used AI to create a photograph and then entered it into a competition to see if they would notice it was an AI photograph, okay? Mm. And he ended up kind of putting it through 40 different iterations of AI. So like he would have said initially the picture that he wanted and then he put the same picture through and said, but I want it this way this time and blah, blah, blah. And eventually ended up with the picture Mm. that he had. He put it in for a competition and he ended up winning. Mm. And not just like the local photography competition. This was the Sony World Photography Awards and he won Mm. in the creative section. All right. So he potted up. Hello. Thank you for the award. I have it here. Uh, I am not accepting it. (laughs) Everybody was like, "Uh, why? And he goes, because it's not a real photograph. I didn't take it. It was all made by AI. The joke's on you. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Whatever. Um, well, so I don't I've, think he was quite that bad. I mean, he he <laughs> he did stand up and he said, "Look, I can't accept this award because it's AI." I was pretty much proving a point. Yeah, uh, job done. Now, the winning photo called the electrician. Um, this chap mm. is uh, Boris Eldegson, is his name. Um, mm. To me, if I was to look at it, I would go that is an AI generated photo. You, no prompts. You know that straight away, just looking you at it. You would straight away. Because there's, there's two giveaways, right? Okay, go on. Uh, the big one is the texture on the clothing of the person in the foreground. 
that's the huge giveaway. The texture is far too smooth. It lacks detail. Uh, it's mush. There's no de- there's no real detail on it. That's a okay. massive giveaway. And it's the same giveaway that we saw on those um, AI constructed Trump being arrested photos from a few weeks ago. Yeah, and yeah. Same well, problems. You tell because it, his leg was in the wrong position and it was all yeah. blurry and all kinds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in this one, the f- also the figure in the background, the skin is far too smooth. Uh, it does look like it was painted over. Um, mm-hmm. It's not convincing as a, as a photograph. Um, it actually looks, the whole thing looks like something you would find in a almost photorealistic comic book. That's, that's the level that it's at. It's convincing. Oh. Well, you, you know where it's at. Well, I thought it was, uh, I thought that it was interesting that he had done that. And I actually thought that he should have taken the award because the whole pro he was the one who put the thing through AI, number one, and then number two decided what changes he wanted the AI to make. Yeah, but in the same way that you can't Photoshop things that you enter in um, in photography competitions, um, you know, he, he got up and he said, look, the, the raw material was different. The raw material here, you know, was my ideas. It wasn't, you know, my control of or mastery of lighting mm. or framing or anything like that. Uh, I just asked uh, an AI to dream something up and I tweaked it. Mm. Uh, very different process, very different skills required. All right. The other big story uh, with AI and not doing uh, so well is that uh, an original work by an AI, uh, which was done by a guy called Ghostwriter, um, he basically kind of just used AI to do an impression of Drake and The Weeknd and come up yeah. with a little tune. All right. Um, mm-hmm. It's an original work by the AI. It's not a cover version of what Drake did or The Weeknd mm. did. It's it's something absolutely uh, original. And he's been up front about it, uh, being fully AI generated. Um, but the record companies and the various different people are all kind of going, no, no, this is not good. And they've been uh, uh, knocking around heads. Uh, they've had it pulled from YouTube. They've had it pulled from Spotify. Uh, they've had it pulled from Apple Music. But... This particular tune has just made it to the A-list at Tech Radio. I came in with my ex like Celine, not a flex, eh. Bumping Justin Bieber, but a fever had left, eh. She know what she need, I need, I see. Heart of My Sleeve is the name of the tune. He hasn't called it after Drake or anything like that, but what do you think? Uh, that's pretty convincing. It's pretty convincing. Now, I don't follow Drake or The Weeknd. Um, but I would go I'd listen to that on the radio that's yeah. you know no problem there you'd listen to that on the radio would you I would be yeah. straight off if that came up on the radio that's not my style at all <laughs> well I mean it's it's not my style either but you wouldn't go oh that clearly sounds artificial and badly constructed and mm. yada 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 because an awful lot of studio uh, music sounds you know uh, a lot worse yeah. so um, yeah Go for it. Now, I think the record labels are really missing a trick here because they should be copywriting the hell out of people's image rights, out of their vocal styles, out of their, you know, their lyrical patterns, their flow. All of this stuff is, you know, quantifiable. And it, it, this is know, where it gets really interesting, okay? Because yeah. the record company is forcing it off YouTube and whatever, saying there's a copyright violation. But it's not. It is. No, oh. it's not. 
Okay. No, I'll Go tell on. you why, right? I'll tell you why it's not, okay? Because number one, it's not Drake. Well, it's yeah, not The Weeknd. Yeah. It's not a cover of a piece. It's an original piece of music, all right? Mm. At worst, it's an impression, all right? Yeah. Yeah. At worst, it's an impression. Okay, so that's number one, okay? Uh, and then number two, there was a case a couple of months back, I don't know if you remember, with the US Copyright Office, all right, who refused to copyright an AI-generated image because they said the product was not of human authorship. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so there's nobody tune, you could actually award the copyright to. The music to. and the vocals and etc. are all AI-generated and made by a, a computer. Yes, exactly. So I don't think that the record companies have got a leg to stand on. Uh, do you know what? I'm, I've suddenly seen a, a gap in the industry. AI agents. <laughs> Copyright your AI stuff through oh, me. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, could have yeah, hundreds yeah. of clients. Interesting. How Easily goes. done. Another weird story uh, with AI, and this is the third and final one that I'll, I'll do, is um, the Michael Schumacher family are taking yeah. legal action against a German gossip mag, all right? Because the gossip mm. magazine put Michael Schumacher on the front cover and said it's his first interview since a skiing accident in 2013, I think it was, or something. It was about 10 years ago. Um, they're a very private family and they keep this whole thing yeah. with uh, uh, Michael Schumacher very private. Now, this magazine has just gone his first interview ever. And then somewhere near the end, they went, ha, 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 ha it's an AI. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Sucks for you guys. Just yeah. in bad taste. Just in bad taste, yeah, that I would have yeah. said. Right, listen, uh, let's uh, wrap up with a couple of few bits and pieces about new tech toys because we've got a WWD conference that's coming in June. Uh, May 10th is going to be uh, Google's uh, I.O., which we're really watching. We need to see what they do with Bard and all the AI kind of stuff. But mm. they will also uh, be releasing a new phone. And word is, tech toy people, that Google will be taking out a foldable Pixel phone. Following in the footsteps of, of everybody. the, well, Microsoft's <laughs> Surface Duo 2 mm. and the Galaxy Fold, Samsung's Galaxy yep. Fold and Galaxy Flip. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, clearly the point has been proven that there is a market for, for uh, foldable phones out there again. I don't think so. You do, I don't think convinced. so because uh, they've been around for what, at least a year? Two years uh, at this stage, uh, yeah. I don't really see them in you the day to day. No, you know, yeah. none of my friends, none of my mates have them. None of my, none of their kids have them. I don't see anybody on the street with them. I don't even see them being used. You don't see them being used on TV. It's just, it's not a thing. I think it's just a gimmick. Uh, the mm. other thing then, uh, speaking of gimmicks, is Apple. Apple and gimmicks in the same sentence. Dusty, how could you? Um, they're, yeah, yeah, they're talking about uh, headset rumours. Right. Oh, uh, are we finally going to see their AR This is exactly, this is exactly what the uh, word is on the street, that they're going to bring out a new headset and uh, one of the things that they're going to use it for is kind of virtual reality uh, workouts and sports and all that kind of stuff. Well, they, they have been pushing all that. You remember mm. with their Apple Watch um, sort of presentations where they did mm. their Apple sports things where you can have your virtual personal trainer and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it makes sense. I mean, you'd want to have some kind of sweatband between yourself and the uh, and the headset, though. <laughs> and could you imagine doing a virtual workout and like, you know, you're, get, you're getting a bit hot and bothered? Hot and bothered, but never mind. You know how heavy those darn things are. 
They are. And doing a workout. I'm sure Apple would be doing a very, very light one. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they come up with anyway. That's on the, Mm. uh, the Worldwide Developers Conference. Is coming up in June. Listen, that is all the news uh, that we have for this week. Uh, Niall, as always, thank you. This is Tech Radio from TechCentral.ie. Get every episode of Tech Radio by clicking follow on your podcast player right now. If you're a researcher with a great idea but no idea of who's going to pay for the research. Help is at hand. The Irish Mary Squidovska Curry Office is operated jointly by the Irish Universities Association and the Irish Research Council. They provide advice and support on preparing applications for funding in any sector and at any level. Dr. Von Halpen is head of the office and she had a chat with Niall Kitson about its mission and how Ireland is punching well above its weight when it comes to research. Yvonne, it's often said that academics have sort of a, a, a quite worldly experience before they come back home and, and sort of settle. Um, I don't know, has this been your experience as well? Uh, hi, Niall. Yeah, so I think um, uh, my experience has been, has been one of a, a kind of varied pathway with uh, some twists and turns to to get me to where I am. So I'm a, a scientist by training. Uh, chemistry was my background, um, and I've I've always, from as long as I can remember, um, had a love of uh, of science and thinking about how things work and why things are the way they are. Um, so I had uh, I, I went into university in in Dublin, in Dublin City University, and uh, I went in with this this grand idea that I could find the cure for cancer. So I, I studied uh, chemical and pharmaceutical science for my undergraduate mm-hmm. degree um, and ended up over the, over the, the years of the um, undergrad uh, navigating towards a, a PhD, uh, which was in Dublin City University as well. Now, I, I steered away from uh, the, the cancer research um, in my PhD and actually my focus was more on the area of molecular electronics. Um, so using um, electrochemistry and some spectroscopy techniques to try and uh, make uh, molecular level transistors and diodes for silicon computer chips. Um, so that was a fantastic experience and that um, that gave me a, a great uh, a great journey through different countries in Europe with some of my international collaborations spending, uh, time and visits in in the Netherlands and uh, in Denmark and in Italy as well. So some really fantastic uh, collaborations there. Um, and then my journey kind of pivoted a little bit post PhD. I was uh, I think ready for a change of scene, um, and I was felt I was equipped with the skills to go into um, and I'll say quote unquote the real world. Uh, so I found myself working in the area of clinical trials in industry. Um, which was fantastic. That was a global role and uh, very much engaged with big pharma all around the world and managing their kind of central laboratory testing for their trials. Um, And then I I kind of found that my my nerdy side, my science love kicked back in. And and after a couple of years there, I actually wanted to return to academia. Um, And I went back and I went back into a kind of chemistry role, um, but this time I was in the area of renewable energy technologies. So looking at how 
we could use different materials to um, split water to generate green hydrogen. So that was kind of the, the main um, crux of my research for a few years. Um, and I and I got to the point, I think, where many early career researchers get to and, and I came to that crossroads of, of what's next. Um, and and I think my, my love of science and my belief in, in research in general and what it can do for economic prosperity and for societal well-being um, brought me actually into the, the public service space and into the research funding and management uh, area. So I had a, a, a brilliant five and a half years in um, Science Foundation Ireland, which is one of Ireland's funding agencies for uh, research and innovation in academic settings. Um, and that just, I, I really loved the kind of um, the, the bird's eye view of the system and being involved in, you know, supporting really excellent world-class research and being involved in kind of, you know, the, the policy structures surrounding it and that kind of thing. Um, and then eventually that that uh, brought me towards uh, outside of the national sphere, if you like, and into this uh, realm of European funding, which is where I sit right now in the Irish Maurice Godaska Curie Office. So the office is a, a partnership between the Irish Research Council and the Irish Universities Association. And our our job in the office is to um, really maximise Ireland's success in this particular um, funding programme, which is called the Maurice Godaska Curie Actions. So our job is to support organisations and applicants in Ireland um, in applying for research funding to solve real world problems. One of the questions that comes up when you're looking at, you know, whether to fund a specific problem over another is whether something is perhaps in vogue or whether there's a specific challenge uh, being laid out either at national or European level that people want to address. Have you noticed any particular trends towards something like maybe, you know, working with silicon or working in sustainability? Or is it still a very broad church? That's a that's a really good question because I think you 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 know you can even see that at national level um, that sometimes uh, there is um, prioritization in certain funding opportunities and um, for example to meet kind of grand challenges around health or climate or that kind of thing. But actually, one of the really attractive features of the Maurice Godoska Curie Actions. And one of the the great things about promoting this program is that it actually funds all disciplines and all topics. So there, there's a, a term used which is uh, bottom up, but what that basically means is that organisations and and researchers can use this program to get funding for um, a, a project which suits their own needs or a funding for a, a problem that they need to solve themselves. So the the um, the MSCA, as as we call it in short, it's open to all disciplines across um, across the spectrum, uh, and there's very little that can't be funded. But the 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 main thing in this program is that it's really excellent research that is really advancing the state of the art, and that there is um, a really world class training program to go along with that for the researchers who are involved. Now, of course, it is a, a funding program which is run um, by the European Commission. So, you know, there are European policies that you need to keep in mind. You, of course, as an applicant or an organisation, it's important to think about 
you know, making that argument about why Europe benefits or why Europe uh, should fund this. But we see a whole range of um, projects and proposals come across our desks. And that's one of the reasons why the um, Maurice Godot's Curie Actions is so important for Ireland, because it, it's providing that pipeline of excellent research across a whole range of disciplines. And that's really important because it's, it's often quite early stage research. So it's providing that pipeline for, you know, the, the really innovative um, technologies and services that will come, you know, two, five, ten, maybe even 15, 20 years down the line. But we see and, and in Ireland, um, Ireland has been very successful, actually, in the MSCA. Um, and, you know, there's been there's been hundreds of projects funded um, across all disciplines and there it's really fantastic research going on. I mean, they range from, you know, cancer research. So there's a, um, a training program being led out of UCD, which is in the area of precision medicine. So they're using um, disciplines like genomics and um, a technology like artificial intelligence and computational modeling to um, uh, develop personalized treatments for, for cancer patients so that they get what they need for that person at the right time to get the best outcome there. But then I might see, in a, you know, another proposal, which is looking at developing human centric approaches to artificial intelligence. You know, that's something that is very much in our world right now and is going to be even more prevalent in our lives going forward. So there's research in Ireland going on determining how humans can best interact with um, machines. But of course, we also see um, uh, projects across many other disciplines. And that's, you know, it's not just STEM. It includes the arts, humanities and social sciences as well. There's a, um, a, an amazing research project looking at um, how to develop sophisticated technologies for the prevention and better treatment of adolescent mental health. And I think we've seen, particularly in the last few years with the pandemic, how that's such an important area. And unfortunately, it's becoming a bigger problem. So it's great to see programs like this and it's great to see organisations in Ireland receiving funding, being right there at the forefront and they're being really competitive and getting the funding needed to help Ireland address the challenges of today and, of course, of the future as well. Looking at how to foster that talent pipeline, uh, it must be quite the challenge to um, support research product projects whose commercial impact or indeed intellectual impact might not be initially seen, but could end up being, you know, the cornerstone of a field of interest in five, ten years down the line. Do you see that as being a particular challenge for funding bodies uh, in selecting projects that, you know, will have a longer term impact over ones that, you know, perhaps can be uh, can deliver over a short term? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think, you know, there there needs to be space for both. So I think for a, for a research system to thrive, for an economy to be able to thrive and, pot and prosper, we need to have the, the, the investment at all stages of the pipeline. You know, you need to have the investment at that, that later stage, focus very much on using knowledge that has already been created from research and using that to, to innovate, to generate, you know, economic impact or, or new technology, new services, new jobs. But you also need to have the investment at the very earlier stage of the, of the pipeline. 
And you also need to be producing the talent today that will be able to deliver that kind of impact in, you know, tomorrow's world or in or five, 10, 15 years down the line. And and that piece about talent is really important and it's actually core to the Marie Skodowska Curie actions. So the essentially this program is often it's often termed the the European Union's flagship program for um developing early career talent. And that could be, you know, um PhD students or postdoctoral researchers. And in all of the 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 programs under the umbrella of the Marie Skodowska Curie Actions, one of the core principles of, of, of each of them is the, the nurturing and the development of talent that is working on that project. So in contrast to maybe other funding programs where the focus is, you know, predominantly on the actual research, how you're advancing the state of the art and the impact that will come up from that within the MSCA there's equal focus on excellent world-class research and developing, you know, the talent of tomorrow. So the the great thing as well is that there's a real recognition within the MSCA and that, you know, for, for to create the talent that we need for all sectors to prosper, the focus can't just be on developing those technical skills or those research skills. So in in order to be competitive in the proposals that go into the MSCA, um, organizations need to articulate how they're going to deliver a world-class training program for the researchers who are involved. And that includes a strong emphasis on transferable skills, which is going to be really important in, in preparing researchers for careers across sectors. So that's, you know, skills like creative thinking, problem solving, being able to innovate, entrepreneurship, things like leadership and project management and teamwork. And importantly as well, communication, being able to articulate what they're doing to a non-expert audience, being able to convey the importance of their research and the findings um, and to be able to, you know, convey the importance of investing in research in general. So you'll see that that any project funded through the MSCA is, is conducting really excellent research, but also delivering that world-class training to, to really prepare uh, researchers for um, the needs of today and tomorrow. As you said earlier, your own experience uh, kind of really took off when you when you were able to, you know, hit the road basically and see how other people were working and how other universities operated. Um, is this part of the MSCA uh, sort of a mission as well to make sure that it's not just, you know, Irish talent is fostered within the Irish system, but that there's sort of a, a free exchange of talent and ideas as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the the mobility aspect is really important here. So, uh, you know, the, the, the Marie Skodowska Curie Actions, it's, it's a brilliant for program because it's it's moving away from this idea that research is conducted within silos, you know, that that kind of very old school thinking that it was a lab in a corner of a building over there and you kind of stuck to yourself. So within the MSCA, the, the focus is very much on collaboration and mobility. And that's not just, I guess, physical mobility in terms of the people themselves, but it's mobility of um, mobility of, of talent across international borders, 
um, mobility across sectors and across disciplines as well. So there's a real recognition. And I think, you know, we've seen this a lot with, with the COVID pandemic. We see it with discussions around climate change, et cetera. You know, you need that collaboration across organizations, across disciplines as well. And you need that um, that diversity of insight if we're really going to be able to solve major societal problems like pandemics, like climate change, like sustainable food production, etc. Um, so within the MSCA, the researchers involved in these projects, they have to physically move across international borders. And that's that's for the training element as much as it is for the the to have the richness of insight in the research that's actually being conducted. Um, so mobility across borders, collaboration between, let's say, academic organisations and non-academic organisations in solving the research problems, and then also um, encouraging and sometimes mandating um, collaboration across disciplines as well. Lastly, uh, you made mention there of efforts on soft skills, including presentation. Um, how do you see researchers engaging with the public? Is this part of the soft skills that people are picking up and getting more aware of as being you know, a, a regular part of their research? Or is there still the perception of, okay, I've been paid I, or I have my budget, I'd much rather stay in my office and just work? Yeah, no, and I think even in, you know, even in 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 my own career and in, in my time from working as a PhD student through to industry and then into the the kind of public sphere, um, there's been a, a major shift and a major recognition in the importance of communicating and um, you know communicating research, communicating the importance of research, what it can deliver for society and the economy, and I guess breaking down that barrier between those who conduct the research and those who benefit from the research. And coming back again to the Maurice Godoska Curry actions, it, it is a, a core feature as well of all of the projects funded through this that, you know, you're receiving funding to do excellent research and to world class training. And that's great, but it's not enough. You also need to be engaging with members of the general public. The um, researchers need to be engaging with policymakers with end users if they're looking at developing a particular service or technology and this idea that you know you you're you're using the public to work with you there uh, they can be great advocates for the importance of investing in research but they have to they have to know about that and they have to understand the benefits of it so there there's there's the research side of it as well but then there's also you know encouraging young people to get involved in research or to consider research careers and that's uh, you know across all genders so communication activities and public engagement they're mandatory in all msca funded projects because it's absolutely recognized that you know this is taxpayers money going into this so it's important to articulate what's going on how that's being used and then importantly what the benefit of research is for that greater good because you know sometimes it can be quite hard for people to to if they can't immediately see a tangible impact or that kind of thing in the next one or two or three years so it's even more important to be able to explain and convey how impact can be long-reaching but ultimately you know investment in research is absolutely what's needed 
for societal well-being, for economic prosperity and for addressing the grand challenges of today. And that was Dr Yvonne Halpin from the Irish Mary Skwidowska Curry Office chatting with Niall Kitson. This is Tech Radio. That's it for our show this week. We have more stories online that we didn't have time to squeeze into the podcast this week, including why IT pros should worry about their mental health as much as their data. A great story about a project using AI to protect Ireland's peatlands. And we have the details of an award-winning medical device from Munster Technological University. You'll find all of that and more on our website at techcentral.ie. We're back again next Friday on RT Radio 1 Extra. And of course, you can get new episodes automatically by clicking follow on your podcast player right now. Until next time, from myself, Dusty Rhodes, and from Niall Kitson, thanks for listening. Take care. Tech Radio is produced by DustPod.io. From me, Artemis, goodbye.